Brother Gavin, when you had a, have a word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we commit Brother Robert now to your care. Would you fill him with the Spirit and mm -hmm. enable him to express the things that he has studied and purposed mm -hmm. to give us? Give us ears to hear and be mm -hmm. sensitive. Help us, Lord Heavenly Father, to mm -hmm. listen well and to take in thy word. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Anita? I generally forget to turn it on when I'm <laughs> Well, this morning, I would like for us to consider a, a topic that's, that's very, very, very uh, profound. And yet, at the same time, it's the only way you'll ever see God and live. The righteousness of faith. Yes, see, there is... There, 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 there's a sense in which God supplied, it may seem like he seemed, uh, supplied another way that was through the law. The only problem is nobody ever attained to it but one, Christ. See, the law was given as a schoolmaster. And um, so it was never intended to produce righteousness in, in that it was given to teach us that we weren't righteous. And we needed a Savior. I read the text of Romans 4, 13 and 14. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Yeah. Yeah. Abraham was righteous by faith before the law was ever given. That's right. <laughs> For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void. Now that's, that sounds really serious. And it is. Amen. If a person will, will step over faith in preference for doing their own, to say, I can do this. It's common to hear this today. We can do it. That's the problem. We couldn't do it. We didn't do it. Yeah. See, see, he gave the law. They said, we'll do it. But they didn't do it. Yeah. So they weren't righteous. That's right. Yeah. And see, and he's going to tell us here, faith is made void and the promise which is, see, what we want. We want what he's promised. How are you going to get that? Well, you're going to have to do it by faith. You're going to have to trust him, rely on him. Made the promise of none effect. So faith produces the righteousness that cannot be obtained any other way. There's not any other way to obtain this righteousness. It's by believing. See, and, and of course, that has to be given to you, but it's given into you in order that you might believe. God gives you faith, that's true. But it's in order that you'll use it. In other words, you'll start hoping for, anticipating, looking forward to the things he's promised. That's the righteousness of faith. God can count you righteousness if you'll depend on him, use the faith he's given you, and trust him. He'll impute a righteousness to you. But see, that righteousness was technically manufactured by your faith. See, God counts it as doing, believing, as doing. Yeah. Right. I wish more could see this, because see, this is the only way, only thing God's going to accept. Do you believe him? Yeah. Well, he'll accept you. It's a, it is a righteousness that's not earned. Boy, am I glad of that. See, it was earned by Christ. Technically, if you want to look back at it, it was provided. Christ kept the law and made it honorable. See, it wasn't people say, well, well, God gave the law, but he knew nobody could ever. 
God gave the law so we would do it. That's right. See, the, the law, Jesus steps in and see, he, he was righteous. He was holy. And he had no problem keeping the law. It's righteous and holy too. What was our problem? We weren't righteous and holy. If you were righteous and holy, the law was absolute. David said, it's my meditation day and night. He, he loved the law. But see, he didn't have what we have in Christ. But see, he, he, he aspired to it. He wanted to do it. But you can see how you, wanting to do right and doing right is two different things. Now, see, God imputes righteousness to you because you do. You, you, in other words, you have faith. It's not like you have faith over here and it sits on a shelf somewhere. You, you're living by faith. You're walking by faith. You're trusting in him. And now in that stance, he'll, you will obtain the righteousness that only comes through faith. It's the righteousness technically that faith supplies. You couldn't manufacture it if you wanted to. The law taught us that. See, there wasn't anything in you that was good. You were fallen. You were defiled. You were of the flesh. You were earthy. You were carnal. What happened? Faith came. That's what having faith came. And along with it brought a, 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 a righteousness. When you believed, you, you were made, imputed righteousness. It's real righteousness. It's not made up righteousness. It's not pretend in other words, you can come into the presence of God and he, he and he doesn't kill you. This is a serious thing. People think they can come into the presence of God with sin. God will judge it. Well, what is righteousness? Well, technically, it's it's rightness, right? It's rectitude. It's justice, it's virtue, it's prosperity. We'll never know what righteousness is unless we can see God, unless we can know him. See, God is righteous. So see, righteousness can't be judged by, by comparing yourself to another man. You may say, well, I'm more righteous than them. Well, just by that very statement, you probably aren't. But see, the thing is, our righteousness is judged by the standard of God himself. In other words, if God doesn't receive you, it doesn't make any difference if anybody else receives you. But see, Jesus, the righteousness of faith, Jesus can, well, he lived it out. And now God will impute that righteousness to you, that kind of righteousness, the kind of righteousness that he accepts, that comes from God and is unto God. It's righteousness. The person of God See, it it relieves you from a lot of stress when you realize that God himself is the standard. He sent his son into the world. Okay, he he was the express image of the father. He showed us how you can live in this world and remain righteous. He always did those things that please the father. So you wonder, well, I wonder if I'm righteous. Do you always do those things that please the father? Is faith moving you to trust him and 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 to sacrifice your to lay down your life for the brethren see all these things are available in christ we're not going to live any different than christ did if he's in you now where there's a departure from now we'll see that complicates the matter doesn't it a person um 
wants to live for themselves, they got to examine themselves to see, wait a minute, what is going on? Because, see, the righteousness of faith, just as quickly as it can come, it can depart if you don't walk in it. In other words, if you don't let it modify who you are, we're being transformed into the image. It's not done yet. Praise God. Amen. Amen. God has demonstrated what true righteousness is by what he's done. How do you know God's right? He always doeth righteousness. Now, see, when you, when you, by faith, are trusting in God, you will participate in this. See, in other words, I can't stand up here and tell you I'm righteous, but the problem is I just never do anything that's right. Well, see, that's a, that doesn't make any sense. Amen. I mean, it's like saying I'm a surgeon, but, you know, I just, you know, I decide to work on cars instead thing is the righteousness does something in you it works something in you and it produces a work that god will approve of god will accept i like this word rectitude it's morally correct behavior and thinking See, righteousness, when you have the righteousness of God imputed to you, you start thinking a lot different. In other words, he gives you a new mind and a new heart. This is all because of the righteousness of faith. You trust him, you believe in him, and he's giving you the supplies you need to live a life that's pleasing to him and getting you ready to dwell with him forever. This is God's work. Now, technically, he's handed it over to Christ, right? Christ is bringing many sons to glory, and then he's going to deliver the kingdom back up to the Father. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Rectitude is the effect realized by being righteous. If there's no effects, well, then it's probably not there. We can't separate being righteous from what a person does. We, we, We can't. God doesn't separate it. He judges people by what they do. We're going to have to stand before God and give an account of the deeds, the deeds done in the body. Amen. That's right. So are you righteous? Because if you are, there'll be a lot of things you do that are righteous that God's going to reward you for. Amen. Praise God for that. Abraham lived out how this righteousness is obtained. It's by grace and through faith. That's how it's obtained. You say, well, Abraham did a lot of works. Well, which one of those works did God call him? Because he did. God called him when he was in Ur. He was in the middle of idolatrous territory. God called him out of that. And Abraham responded in faith. Yes, we're learning. How does faith come? Well, let's look at Abraham. Abraham was not seeking to be the heir of the world. Abraham didn't wasn't sitting there one day thinking, you know, It'd be nice to be the heir of the world. Well, that's foolishness. Abraham was just going about his business. But God had chosen that all who would believe would be heirs together. See, God's got a way that man could ever think of. He wants those who he, who he entrusts with to believe, to believe him. He places more, more um, on believing than any other thing that a man can do. Believe. If you believe, you'll be accepted. Abraham's going to live this out for us. 
Abraham, later God would reveal that he had determined that he was going to make him heir of the world before the foundation of the world. But see, they didn't tell Abraham that. This was God's, God was working his purpose. He was going to reveal through Abraham the kind of faith he would accept, that he would bless, that he would increase. He gave Abraham promises. And now we can observe in Abraham how he treated those promises, how those promises grew in him. As he, as he perceived more about God, the promises got bigger. And so he was willing to do more. Or we can say he did more. See, God gave promises to Abraham that only God could accomplish. No man could do them. Abraham believed the Lord. See, this is impossible, Abraham. He said, God said it, I believe it. Abraham believed the Lord. So then faith cometh by hearing. See, God said something to Abraham. God said a message. He gave him some words. You go out and I'll, I'll make you... I'll make your seed as the sands of the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea. Abraham believed it. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Abraham was given faith. And by his use of that faith, when he was imputed righteousness by his use of it. And he became the heir of the world through that faith. See, now, see, that was God's appointment, but how was it obtained? It was obtained by faith through grace. This is what it says in Romans 4, 13, For the promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Abraham received the promise, and the same faith that God had given him reached out and enabled him to believe that God would actually fulfill the promise. Faith Reached out and see now. See, this is the every everyone who has faith has experienced this. God said something in His Word. You believed it, and your faith reached out and it it obtained. Even right now, you're tasting of the powers of the world to come. How? By your faith, you believe it, and because of that, God counts you righteous. See, he doesn't give good things to unrighteous people. He doesn't. But if you'll believe him, if you'll live for him, if you'll use the faith that he's given unto you, what will he do? He'll be kind. He'll open things up. Some, you know, most of the things God opens up to you, only you can appreciate to the level that you appreciate it. See, he can give something to Brother David. Now, I can appreciate it. But see, Brother David really appreciates it because he knows God showed it to him. Faith is personal. It, it takes the person and brings them to God. And God sanctifies that person and puts him to work. Why? Because of his faith. Abraham didn't move out of Ur to Canaan so he could be righteous. He moved out because he was righteous. See, this is kind of a thorny thought, but, you know, we can conclude that if Abraham would have not obeyed God and not gone out, he wouldn't have been righteous. He would have disobeyed God. So we can conclude that faith moves you to obey. 
That's right. what it'll do for you. In other words, it, it shows you that it's right to obey. This is the best thing. When God says to do something, faith says do it. Amen. And the person who believes does it. Amen. The people around you, they can see your faith. People say, well, they can't. No, they can see your faith. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. So if you're living by faith... There's something coming out of you. There's works that are coming out of you that are noticeable. They're real. And people will see that. And what does it say? They'll glorify your father, which is in heaven. That's what they'll do. They'll say, this person's different. Why? Faith. That's why. Faith works in a person. And then God produces something in and through them that is visible. Well, we know it's so visible, it's going to be brought up at the judgment. It's going to be brought up. The things that you've done are going to be brought up. Yeah. Well, see, if you did them by faith, you can, be, you can be glad. You wouldn't want to do something and not get paid for it. I mean, on some level, see, the God's, these, these riches are accumulating. You're living by faith. You're trusting in God. Yeah. You're living your life in this world. They're accumulating. Amen. When we get there, well, there's treasures. There's treasures laid up in heaven, and, and they belong to you. God will give them to you. He worked them in you. Now, later, after the Jews had rejected their Christ, God would call all the nations of the Gentiles, right, to participate in the righteousness that is of faith. Now, the Jews, they still to this day as a nation, they haven't seen it yet, but they will. They will. The Apostle Paul was specifically tutored by the risen Christ for this particular work, the calling of the Gentiles. He was the apostle sent to the Gentile nations, and look, look at what he's done. Yes, amen. I mean, talk about success. Why? Because he focused on what Christ sent him to focus on, that you can be righteous by faith. I mean, just look at Romans, the letter to the Romans, all the, the things that Paul lays out and explains and shows us that faith it is a victory. Faith will sustain you. Why? Because it, it, faith links you to a powerful God that can, he, there isn't anything he can't do. And so I'd say, well, but he hadn't done it for me. Trust in him. See, he's not going to do it for you if you don't believe him, if you don't trust in him. But if you do, well, see, all the treasures in heaven, see, they're available. uh, Do you believe it? Do you believe it? If you do, well, God's, God's big. He's bigger than what I can think. This is what it says, Genesis twenty two eighteen. This is the, what he told Abraham. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Why? Because thou hast obeyed my voice. How could Abraham obey his voice? He's just a man by faith. That's right. He trusted. God said it. He trusted in it. And look what it produced. When God revealed to Abram what he was going to do, Abram believed. He believed him. And then Paul comes and he says, Therefore, it is of faith that 
right? It might be by grace to the end. The promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that, which is all the law only, not to them. Just see, the Jewish, I mean, the, 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 the Jewish nations thought it's just for us. It's just for us. Well, he said, it's too small, too small. It's, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the whole world, the Gentiles. I'm going to call them all in. Of course, some of them thought that's not fair. What they didn't realize is that the righteousness that they had, they thought they had obtained by doing the law was no righteousness at all. They had fallen short. They put too much confidence in what they did and not enough confidence in what God was doing. God was calling the whole world. (laughs) Now, see, Paul goes over this. Well, you know how what profit is to be a Jew? He says very, very much in every way. See, God gave them the oracles. We wouldn't have this without them. He gave them all the prophets, gave them the law. You wouldn't even know you were a sinner without that. See, God cultured a nation where he could put all these good things in. And then he, when they rejected it, he called the Gentiles. Why? To fulfill this promise he gave to Abraham. He told Abraham. Now, Abraham went out when he called, right? He went out, gathered his stuff together, and hit the road. Why? Because he believed God. And so God imputed it for him for righteousness. Now, God's not going to not fulfill his promise to a righteous man, is he? No. Now, look, we're in. We're in this covenant now because Abraham believed. You just got to look back and see Abraham believed God. God promised it. God gave it to him in the ages to come. He's called Father Abraham. Therefore, it's of faith. It's, I'm so glad it's of faith. See, this is something, if you really think about it, that's really the only thing you can do right. It's believe. Just believe. And even that has to be given to you. See, we can't say, well, I believed I'm better than it was given unto you to believe. But see, so, so why does God give you righteousness if you believe? Why doesn't he just give it to Because you have to do the believing. God gives you to believe, but when you believe, he imputes unto you righteousness. You're righteous. Well, you gave it all me, the, all the resources anyway. But you entered into that personally. And you believed. Now in creation, we're given the witness of God's eternal power and Godhead, right? But it says, if you just look at the creation, there's no other, there's no other God that can do this. He's, he's shown. He has power. He can just speak. Things are created. Yet in salvation, God's de- demonstrating the superabundance of his wisdom and his knowledge in saving those who could not save themselves. They were fallen. Now, see, a lot of people think, well, just get rid of them and just create a nation that's holy. Well, how would you know that God's long-suffering? How would you know that he's merciful? How would you know all these attributes about God that he's revealing in salvation? God's showing how... Salvation is not a simple thing. It's very complex. But see, we're looking at God's wisdom. Angels 
principalities and powers in heavenly places are witnessing things that they would they couldn't learn any other way. But they're they're witnessing they're witnessing and we look start looking at the book of Revelation and they they fall down. God does something. It's mighty powerful. They fall down. They praise God. One of these days we're going to be there, brother. We're going to fall down too. We're going to praise our God. He's taken us, brought us through this 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 place, this place where where on every side it seems that there's there's controversy and there's this, the workings of Satan, and we made it right through it. How? By faith. That's how we trusted that God could do it. And look, He's doing it. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief. Why? That he might have mercy upon all. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Those who were under the law had a hard time receiving these words. A hard time. We know this. We can look in the, in, in chapter, in the Acts. It's like the Jews were their worst, their worst enemies. The Gentiles, that Paul went from church to church, he didn't have too much trouble with the Gentiles, but the Jews, they were hot on his tail, taking him out, stoning him, and they had a hard time believing this. God didn't. See, God's showing us something here. Flesh and blood, it will not. It will not accept faith. It just won't. There's going to have to be a work. It's going to have to be done on the heart. See, when, you, when a person trusts in their own works more than they trust in Jesus' works, well, life becomes very difficult. I mean, talking to religious people now. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained the righteousness? Even the righteousness which is of faith, but Israel which followed after the law of righteousness have not attained to the law of righteousness. They, they, haven't, they haven't attained to it. In other words, God gave the law. Now, we can see an example of this at the foot of Mount Sinai. Remember, Moses talks to the Lord, and he tells him all the great things you're going to do. It's going to be a kingdom of priests, all this amazing things. And Moses goes, and he tells the people, right? And they said, everything he says, everything, every word the Lord says, we'll do it. We'll do it. So Moses goes up a little bit later and gets the, the tablets, comes down, and they're dancing around a calf. They couldn't even make it 40 days without Moses. And they're dead. What happened? Well, this is, you want to see the effects of the law? The law comes. What happens? Paul says, sin revived. And I died. All right, the thing that, that was he, he thought would, would make him better, it made him worse because he trusted in himself. What can I do? Look at me. This way he says, for they stumbled at the stumbling stone. Here, the Son of God standing in front of them. And this thing they're trusting in the law, they couldn't prepare him for that. Oh, I lay in Zion a stomach and a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Now, if a person seeks to be righteous to their own works, they're subject, whether they like it or not, 
to the law of righteousness. See, people who say, and I've, I've do, built a jewelry stores for years, I was around a lot of, a lot of Jewish brethren, and they um, almost every single one of them told me, I'm doing just fine, I'm keeping the law. They really believed they were keeping the law. They were going through the motions, and he said, and I'm keeping the law. I said, well, wait a minute, could, you, could we talk about that? What law are you keeping? Well, I haven't killed anybody. I'm not a thief. I don't steal. I said, well, you jumped over number one. Let's start with number one. Do you love God with all your heart, with all your strength, and with all your Do you? They didn't want to talk about it anymore because their own conscience smote them, and they knew that this, there, would, see, there was a problem. They had their pet laws that they, they did pretty good on. But the problem is, is if you're going to be righteous under the law of righteousness, the, the law, you're going to have to keep all the law, all the time, perfectly. And the problem is, is that they knew they hadn't done that. Anyway, it was, it was, a, it was a good thing for me to, to, to witness this and to see this, and it was good for them because I, I, I told them Christ, Christ abolished. He did it, did away with that. Now we can come right into his presence by faith, trusting in him. Of course, they didn't, they didn't receive that Christ was their savior. They didn't think their Messiah had come yet. Law or grace. There's really only two, two, two ways to come to God. Either you're going to come by the deeds, your own deeds, by what you do, or you're going to come by what Jesus did. Well, I think the, the latter's better. It's the only way he'll accept it. Now, Moses, he described the righteousness, which is the law, that a man which doeth these things shall live by them. Now, see, that's, that's, that's a problem. See, if a person's going to live under the law and, and, and just depend all the weight of their souls on what they do, they're going to be disappointed. They're going to know in themselves, David's heart smote him. See, when Nathan came to him and told him, thou art the man, David's heart smote. He knew at that moment what this is talking about. See, he hadn't kept it perfectly. And so that very law that he trusted and condemned him said no. But see, today we're talking about a better, a better way. A living way, a new and a living way, and it's in Christ Jesus. This is what he said, Moses. I have set before thee this day life and good. See, the law was good, it was holy, it was righteous. And death and evil. See, it was a two-edged sword. The law was a two-edged sword. It was holy and righteous. The problem is that the people weren't holy and righteous. And that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments and statutes and his judgments, that thou mightest live and multiply, and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But, see, this is, you don't want to pass over this. But if thine heart turn away so that thou wilt not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish. 
See, God wasn't playing games with the law. He was, he was teaching the people that you can't do it yourself. There's no way that, that uh, uh, an unholy person, one that has a fallen nature, a carnal nature, can keep the law. It just, okay, it, it, that doesn't mean you're not supposed to try. You're supposed to give it all you got. And they did a lot. You can read in the scriptures. A lot of them gave it. But the fact is, is that God's holy and we're not. And that's a dilemma. And Job knew that. Job knew I need a daysman. I need someone to go in between. Someone that can, can, can interface. And Jesus, he came. He was a man, just like we're a man. And he kept the law. He kept it. He actually fulfilled the law. We can see the immediate effects of law. I mean, if you've ever trusted in yourself, you'll see the immediate effects of it, too. See, it's because I say, well, I'm under grace now. I can do whatever I want. Really? I thought being under grace and following Christ and living for him meant you do what he wants. But this is snuck into the church. It's like a it's like a law of grace mentality. It's like you use use grace to get away with doing whatever you want to do. Of course, um, Paul did mention some of that. <clears throat> For as many as are of the works of the law, well, now this is hard for some people to receive. Are are under the curse. So, you know, you've got two, two ways you can go. You can try to do it yourself, the do-it-yourself plans. But the problem is, is that you're under a curse when you do it. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident, he says, for the just shall live by faith. See, God set up a better way. And, um, and, and see, the law was necessary, but see, it, it, grace is better. Grace is better. The law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Now, see, God's called us to trust in him, right? He called us in his son. We are baptized into his death, in order that we might raise to live with him. Now, see, that's a better way. That's a living way, actually. You're not waiting to live. You're living and waiting for his appearance. That's a big difference. Now, this is the great dilemma that, dilemma that everyone under the law faces. They're not made righteous because of their desire to keep the law. See, some people say, well, I, 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 I with all my heart, well, the thing is, is that it doesn't make any difference if you if you did it with all your heart. You still need Jesus. Amen. See, you need a savior, someone that can save you. And I'll see the desire, just just having a desire to keep the law wasn't enough. You actually had to keep it. <clears throat> now you can see that to be righteous, they had to live flawlessly. <clears throat> Paul gives us the conclusion, <clears throat> which it actually. <clears throat> Some people may have more than one conclusion, but this is the conclusion of the matter. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, shall no flesh be justified in his sight. That's just, that's just the statement. 
that stands alone. You just can't do it under law. Of course, that's exactly what God gave it for, right? He gave it so we would see the sinfulness of sin. It's much worse than we thought. For by the law is the knowledge of sin, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest. You can be righteous by trusting in Jesus, by living by faith. Well, that's a superior righteousness. Even the righteousness of God, even the righteousness of God. Remember, he said, I'll not give my glory to another. So in order for God to to glorify you together with Christ, he's going to have to impute unto you his righteousness. That's the righteousness of faith. That's the kind of righteousness that, that we're going to have to have in order to stand before a holy God. And he's... He's imputed it. He's given it to you by faith, which is by, it says, by faith of Jesus. Talking about the same kind of faith. Jesus lived by faith when he was there. He trusted in God. In that same, in that same way, where if you trust in God, God will impute a superior righteousness, one that he'll receive, one that he accepts, because it's, it's, it's his. It's his righteousness. All and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So all need this righteousness. Every single person. So law or grace. Now, you know, if if you really spend some time back here in the law and read the book of Leviticus, you'll see grace is much better than law. Law, you had to be led around by the nose, as it were. He didn't know what to do, when to do it, how to do it. So he had to spell out every single thing. Now, grace is much better teacher. Grace teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and to live soberly and righteously in this present generation. It teaches you. Now you can go out and whatever the circumstance, whatever arises, grace will have taught you to say, no, that God, I know God won't receive that. How do you know that? Because he's imputed unto you his righteousness. See, when you come familiar, become familiar with Christ and God and you live by faith, he'll be right there to show you that's not the right way to go. That's not the right way to go now. Deny that. Cast it aside. What is that? That's grace working in you, teaching you. See, they didn't have that back then. Now they had the law. But grace is superior. Now, the main question is, are we willing to lean the weight of our soul on the sanctifying works of Jesus? Really, that's the bottom line. Now you say, well, but, but all of it? Yes, every bit of it. In other words, there's not anything that I'm adding to this equation. I'm trusting that he did all the sanctifying work, and I didn't add anything to that. When Jesus was on the cross, he was alone when he by himself bore our sin. He was alone. It was Jesus Christ alone. The son of God was bearing the wrath of sin alone. I didn't add anything to that. I wasn't even there. And yet now he asked me, will you trust? Will you believe that? 
And when you do, you're counted as righteous. It's a righteousness of faith. But with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. Now, you notice how that says, now, faith comes, right? Faith is given. It comes. But see, the, the working out of faith, the actual, the things that it produces, it, well, if it doesn't produce it, then it's not faith. Amen. But see, faith will produce a righteousness that God will accept. I know we already said that, but see, the thing is, is that something, it says, with the mouth, I don't think there's a lot of mouth, mouthing of, of righteousness in our time. Righteousness has something to say, and it comes out of your mouth. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation, for the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. We live in a generation where a lot of professed believers are only professed because they tell you they're believers. You'd never get it. But anyway, I won't stay on that. Paul charged Timothy, that's what he told him now, preach the word. Right? I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Rebuke. Reprove. 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 It says that. Reprove. Rebuke. Exhort. With all long suffering. Why? Because see, righteousness brings, it, 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 it produces words. Preaching is, is you preach Christ and preach the word of God. And now whether or not people receive it or not, that, that, that's on them. But see, righteousness will produce. It has a response. A righteous person doesn't just sit there and say, well, you just do whatever you want to do. It's none of my business. It will provoke you. I can't imagine. I just can't imagine Jesus sitting there and never saying anything. Well, we know he didn't, right? Jesus was full of words. And he, he preached them out. Paul knew that the time would come when men would modify this word. Now, see, this is, this is we're living in this time right now. All the translations that they come up with. I mean, see, people, people tell me, well, does it make any difference what translation? Have you read some of these translations? <laughs> You tell me that it doesn't matter what translation we have when they tw the translation twists the word. And it doesn't mean what it's supposed to mean. How is faith supposed to get a hold of that? It won't. That's the problem. It won't produce faith in the person. And I don't care, really care what anybody tells me. If they twist Jesus' words and it means something different than what he said, it will not produce faith. Amen. The devil knows this. And so he, see, well, he couldn't really get the Christians to stop being Christians, but he twisted it for the next generation to where it produces a bunch of, well, whatever it's producing. I, I, I'm having a hard time thinking that this is of God. Amen. God, the, the Jews were very meticulous, very meticulous in how they treated God's word. And they went word for word in their translations to keep it exactly like the original was. Why? Because this is the word of God you're handing down. Yeah. Yeah. See, the word of God, 
How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing. Somebody gets up and preaches what Christ did, what God did in Christ. What happens? It moves. The Holy Spirit's got something to work with, and it moves a person to repent. But what if that word's twisted? It doesn't produce that anymore. This is a dilemma that in our generation... Now, everyone's got to deal with this on their own, right? Everyone's got to decide which one they're... There's so many. I mean, we're talking many, many, many versions. There's only one word, brethren. There's only one. And that's the gospel of, of, of Christ, and it's got to be preached. Now... <clears throat> This is what Paul says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Why is Paul so concerned about this? Because if they don't endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall the heap to themselves teachers having itchy ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. We're living in this time. People have modified the truth to where, seriously, you can go out and you can sin every single day. And yet you can come and raise your hands at the praise service and everything's okay. No, it's not okay. God will not accept that. Amen. He won't. And it won't produce holiness in a person. It won't produce the righteousness of faith. Amen. If you don't have that, you're not in. That's just a fact. Now, see, why is Paul so concerned about this? Because Paul knows what it's going to do. Paul knows the result of your not enduring sound doctrine. Now, I know this is kind of harsh. It may sound a little harsh. But if someone's dying in a fire and you, you want to reach in and grab them out, right? Amen. We're in a generation that's being swallowed up by false doctrine. Well, the Christ... He's, he's able. He's raised up able ministers. They're just going to have to preach. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Now, when men modify the word of God, it ceases to be the word of God. It only has power if it's God's word. It's, I know some people tell me, well, are you saying that God can't preserve his word? He has preserved his word. <laughs> the question is, is, which, which word do you believe? I mean, I, this is the responsibility of every single person to make sure that, and, and uh, for myself, uh, I'm just going to default what Brother Fred told me. The version you have, is it producing holiness in you? Is it producing a desire for you to please God above everything else? If it's not, get rid of it. Dump it out. Amen. It isn't from God. But if it is, see, see this is, everyone's got to do this themselves. A watered-down version will produce a watered-down faith, right? If it produces faith at all. A lot of modern preaching turns the responsibility of righteousness before God now. We're talking about being righteous before God. They'll take that righteousness, that responsibility, and they'll pass it back off to the people. And they'll say, well, look, God loves you just the way you are. Don't worry about none of this. He's, he, there isn't anything you can do to make God love you any less. What's that doing? That's passing the responsibility for righteousness back off to the person now. And now they're judging 
what righteousness means before God. They're judging that I can do this and it's okay because, you know, God loves me. Well, they're just putting them under a different kind of law. It's, this is not the righteousness of faith. The righteousness of faith trusts God that he did it. And um, they want to do everything that they can do to please God. <clears throat> now, see, when a person trusts in this, you can see how, how debilitating this would be for holiness. Uh, this doesn't even make any sense. That I can go out and I can just live like the world, but then when I come into the building, well, I'm, I'm okay now. See, this, this, this is one of those not-so-sound doctrines. <clears throat> For the time will come when they will not endure sound. Doctrine that's built by God, not by man. Sound doctrines... They're the words that the Holy Spirit teaches. The Holy Spirit does have words, and he does teach them. Either we're standing on the promises. I, I, I like this song, um, Standing on the Promises. Uh, I, I, I like this because, see, te technically, by faith, we're standing on the promises. See, God's given us some promises, and you, you start reading some of these promises, and if by faith you believe them, it'll, you'll start getting excited. God's going to make you a pillar in the temple of his... He's going to do that. You're going to be stable. Well, now, that doesn't mean anything unless you believe it. it. just sounds like some flowery words. But when you believe it, and you, 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 you lean the weight of your soul on God fulfilling this promise, well, now, see, you'll live different is the, is the result. You'll live different. You'll be looking forward to that, and when something else comes in competition, you'll say, no. I want to be a pillar in the temple of my God. God's given us of his spirit. See, now this is really the key. God hasn't just left this up for us alone to figure out. <clears throat> He's given us of his spirit. Put his Holy Spirit in us to guide us, right? To show, to show us, to, to, this, is, this is the way, go in it. The Holy Spirit, he shows us the things that already belong to you. They're already yours in Christ, but you probably haven't seen them right. As Holy Spirit comes in, you start reading the scriptures with the Holy Spirit, and it's, it's a completely different word. See, a fallen and a sinful nature cannot produce anything that's not fallen and sinful. It can't. That's why we have to be born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, you have to be born again. You can't even see the kingdom of God if you're not born again. And that Holy Spirit, see, it, it leads us into the past. Now, see, technically it's Jesus, but he's working through the Holy Spirit doing these things. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He's redeemed us. We don't have to be under that law anymore. We've been bought. It was with a price, a great price, but we've been purchased. The blood of Christ... If that isn't what we're trusting in, then what are we trusting in? God's provided an abundant salvation in His Son. All the saving work has been accomplished. I praise God for that. We're not called upon to do any of the salvational work. You know, I looked that word up. That's, they ought to add that to the Bible, to the dictionary. Salvational. I like that word. Yeah. All the salvation has been completed. It's done. Jesus is at the right hand of God to testify to that. And anyone who believes, 
See, they're accepted in the beloved. When the gospel is preached and received into the hearts and minds of men, God is both glorified and satisfied. See, in other words, it gets God's pleasure. God is pleased to receive you in Christ Jesus because his son purchased it with his own life. So God, he won't, he won't reject anyone that believes. He won't because Jesus purchased this. And he technically purchased it for God. We get the benefits of it. He sent his son to destroy the works of the devil, and he is destroying the works of the devil in you as you um, submit to him and live for him. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost (laughs) that come unto him by him, come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for his saints. He's making intercession for those who believe, right? Are you trusting, leaning the weight of your soul on Jesus? Well, you know, trouble comes. You know, we're here in this world. So um, if you have trouble, if, if any man sins, we have an advocate with the Father. He's right there. He's our great intercessor. Have you done well? Are are you rejoicing in in Christ and and pressing in? Well, you still, you come to the throne of all grace, right? And he's pleased to fellowship with you and give you resources so you can make it through this world. He's put you in a body, a body. It's the body of Christ. And it'll be just exactly the environment that we need to overcome. Russell... Kelso Carter. I never heard of that name before. He's the one that wrote Standing on the Promises. And and you can see just by reading to these words, you can see he was living by faith. He was trusting in God. And he was looking forward to the fulfillment of every one of these promises. God's made us free in Christ. We're not under the bondage of sin anymore. He's delivered us from the law, the thing that condemned us. He delivered us from it in order that he might present us unto God a, a, a bride, a spotless bride. And so I praise God for Jesus and for his ability to save. And I thank you, brethren, for your attention. Amen. Amen.